Hello everyone and thank you so much for downloading this episode of Bees Pod. My name is Ian Bottrell and this is the first of three humongous episodes with Loudmouth and Mem which we recorded on Friday night looking back over the last season and wondering what the future holds for the Bees. I'd just like to give a huge shout out as well to those people that got in contact with their questions, their ideas, but in particular a huge thanks to Carla, to Anthony and to Ben for helping out, giving us their time, providing some great insight on the interviews. We really hope you enjoy the first of these episodes and the other two are coming very very soon enjoy hello everyone and welcome to this very special episode of bees pods uh it's our annual end of season review and i'm absolutely delighted to be joined by some of the the best barnet fans i know and there's not many of us anymore at the end of this season <laughs> that's the first thing to say and from the laugh in the background you can probably hear we've got our very special guest with us loudmouth how are you doing mate Hello. The thing about Lamb is he's a bit nervous about being <laughs> off camera. <laughs> we was just talking about it. I'm only, I'm only good when I've got a camera in my face. I could turn, I can look how good I look. Right now, I've just got like this massive long dildo in me, in me face <laughs> and I don't know what to do. <laughs> that's, that's just got us an X rating, this one. <laughs> <laughs> Start as you mean to go on. And we can also hear, as you can hear in the background, joined by Mem. How you doing, Mem? Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Very yeah. good. Well, it's been a hell of a long time since we've seen all three of us at a Barnet match, but we are starting this season review by looking back over what... I described as the worst season since 2002, 2003, which for the five of you listening, I think at least a half our listenership might, might stretch back that far. But it only makes sense to start with you, Loudmouth. I mean, you've been there for more games than me and them combined, times five. Probably, yeah, combined, <laughs> times five, times ten, maybe. <laughs> what, what, what happened, mate? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question, because we've, we've all asked the same, the same question. <laughs> you know, what happened? Where, where did the wheels come off? Honest answer, I don't know. We all wanted a proper manager to come in. We got a proper manager. Were you, were you happy paper. with still then? It wasn't my first choice. It wasn't my first choice, but on paper, he's tried and trusted. Yeah. You know what I mean? What, what, what more, more can you ask for, really? He done his business early. He recruited in areas we needed to be recruited in. I think that, 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 that yeah. That's as far as I go with that, some, and, of, that, some yeah. of that business. <laughs> but then, for some reason, it was just like, I'm in my car. I've checked my mirrors, but for some reason, the engine ain't turning on. That, for me, is how it was. And how, how, how would you describe Byron Harrison's start of the club, then, Byron Harrison? Don't worry, it's my bad joke about the wheel. Oh, no, no, to be fair, yeah, because let's be fair. I remember, I remember me and you sitting, a, sitting in a uh, cafe in, um, <laughs> in Whitechapel, doing a doing Barnet, uh, Barnet preview, and I remember you uh, going on about how Byron Harrison was a game changer. <laughs> He's only, he, he is a game changer just for the opposition. It, it allows him to play two men at the back. Yeah, we saw that away to Solihull. <laughs> I mean, going back to the summer, man. Oh, sorry, you must have thought John still decent. I think you said he was a solid, a solid manager, no? To be honest, like like Matt said, um, I thought, yeah, he's not, he didn't. He wasn't inspirational, and I remember the first time around, and he was the football was awful. Um, but I thought safe pair of hands. Yeah. Been there, done it. What three promotions? Yeah, three. Yeah, so you know, the, so the, at the end of the day, the, the objective was to get back in the league. And I don't care how the, how we can get back in the league. The objective was we just get to get back in there somehow. And it, like Matt said, it seemed like he had a plan. He seemed like he got organised. And then when you looked at the squad at the end of um, the summer, there's a, you kind of were trying to work out how we're going to play, uh, who's going to play where, and you know, uh, and we seem to be missing quite a few areas of the pitch. 
<laughs> Again, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, you know, anxiety problems with this thing in my face. Um, no, but it's true, though. Like you say, it was like he signed all these players and all of a sudden he didn't know where to play them or how to play them and how to set up, you know. We went from a Christ again, so many formations in one game, let alone through the season. Your, your classic 4-4-2 to a 4-5-1 to a 3-5-2. And that, I think, was just in one game at one stage. You know, I think it was just literally, I'm throwing the kitchen sink at it. I think... You know, I don't want to say a bit off more than he can chew because it's, it's, and we'll probably cover this later on, but I want to get it in now before I do forget. I do feel like the players he signed let him down. You think they let him down or do you think that was his error of recruitment? No, I think they let him down because you can argue he signed mid-table players, so you can't really argue for more than that. But there was players that we've discussed off-air before we've even come here tonight that players just started off all right and then just fed off the cliff. And I'm sure we'll cover it as the night goes on. But I feel like the players let him down when he desperately needed them to step up. Don't get me wrong, he, he weren't all sweet and innocent. He, he made massive balls aches, you know, balls yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is with him, he, he of all managers knew what it took to get out of this league, you know. And, and, and so those errors seem to me to be a little bit, I don't know, you feel, feel a bit like Harry Redknapp and uh, Nico Cranshaw with uh, John Still and Dan Sparks. <laughs> but if you look at that, if you look at the, t- the side we had, had I know, I know Andre Bucard was injured for a huge portion of that first part of the season, but a big part, um, we were talking about it earlier, he, had to, he built that, that Luton team that went up was built on the, bait, on the back of Steve McNulty. Steve McNulty, back, who looked like he had no right to be a professional <laughs> footballer. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think he's, I think, uh, I, th- I think, he, well, he was definitely tipping the scales. Um, <laughs> Uh, when we saw him, but the fact is, he built it on experience. And then you look to that side that we hid, that squad he put together, and with Andre Bukard out the side, there was no experience down the spine of that team, none whatsoever. I mean, that, that, that was an issue actually. Looking back a couple of years, and we'll get on to some of the previous managers, but if, I don't know if you guys remember that Mark Robson side that we had uh, a couple of, you know, that sort of 2011, 2000, Loved around that it. sort of time. And um, that you know, they had like you know, 14 year olds in centre midfield and a 12 year old goalkeeper and all that sort of stuff. Ab- I mean, Ab- Abdallah and um, and uh, Ollie Lee, who yeah. actually weren't bad players, but the problem is they were you're, you're, asking, two, you're asking two 19 year olds to play centre mid in a league team. Yeah, I mean, uh, what, this was a million miles from that with what, John Steele. Was there a moment, Lamath, where you where you um, a game that you remember at the start of the season or you know, maybe even September, October, where you thought actually this, this really isn't working? Yeah, the first game of the season. Fuck it. Nil-nil away to Aldershot. We'll be cutting it a barn door. But a lot of people said that was a good game. We played quite well in that game. I remember people coming out of that game and saying, this is the side, the battle between two sides that are going to be up at the top of the league. I looked at it and I thought that that would have been a massive test. Aldershot got the playoffs last season and I thought that we was going to get... I thought we was going to get absolutely dicked. But yeah, we, we should have battered them. But the chances that we had, Byron Harrison missed one from two yards. Shaq hit the post. He, he, he had an open goal and he hit the post. Oh, I mean, God. come on. I mean, that's, that's not a good start, is it? But no, it, it, it's not. But, uh, we didn't start very well. I mean, but you, might, you, you thought from that first game you were worried. Yeah, because I looked at it. Even though, don't get me wrong, it was a very warm day. I remember them obviously having a water break and all that lot. We played some really nice football. But again, it was, a, it was the old scenario of, where are the goals I know it sounds so dramatic being the first game in but it was where are the goals going to come from you know because we've had golden opportunity after golden opportunity I think we had five corners on the trot at one stage in that game as well and none of us could hit the target and so we ha- it, it, basically without a kinde that goal threat had pretty much gone well yeah because well everyone used to say it if John Akinde don't score Barnett don't score 
Mm. That was the fact, weren't it? You know, and we've had some fantastic strikers that have practically carried us. You know, Grazioli, McLeod, all them lot. And it's just like, yeah, I just feel like we've got some big lumps in this team and we can't even beat the first man taking a corner. Yeah, and that, that's, I mean, it still should know that the basics of winning this league, and man, you, you know a lot about this, like winning a, winning the conference, you know, we talked a lot about that championship winning tie with, with sort of Luisma and how, you know, Stacky and, and those sort of people went to, the, went to the manager and said, look, this is how we do it. This is how we manage the pitches. This is how we manage the conditions, the tough away games. This is how many points we need from this set of games. Can we be very pragmatic about it. If you haven't got somebody who can beat, you know, set piece is such a big thing in our league. If you haven't got decent delivery, you, you, you know, you're pretty much finished. Well, this is the reason why I, I believe Dan Sparks was brought in was for, the, for that reason, the delivery. But the problem with Dan Sparks is, um, I, was quite clear to me very early on, is unless Dan Sparks is taking a dead ball kick, he's pretty much anonymous. And he doesn't do, he doesn't, he doesn't, just does not do enough. Has he, can you remember anything he's done in a game that hasn't been a free kick? No. Lama? Oh, hang on. No. Yeah, he scored against, uh, was it Bristol Rovers? Is that a free no, kick? No, 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 no. Stockport. Stockport. He, scored Stockport. he scored against Stockport in the FA Cup, weren't he? I think that was a diving header or a ball to the back post and he slid it in. He's an FA Cup player then. Ah. That wasn't a free kick. So that is what he's done. I remember, I remember one where the ball was basically put to him in the, in, the, in the corridor and he literally just slotted the ball across the box. And I remember, and I can't remember who exactly it was said on Twitter, was like, see, that's why Dan's box on the side. And I thought he literally has had kicked it once in the whole game. And it was a bit like the Brentford game. Kicked it once, scored his goal, made his headline. I mean, yeah, the Brentford game, we'll, we'll come back to that later on. But uh, for now, let's focus on the negativity, guys. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we started off not too well to start of the season. Lama, we can't really score either. You're, you're, you're renowned for your patience and calmness and uh, clear-headed optimism. When did you want John still out? You're taking the piss, aren't you? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Um, I'll be honest with you. Like I said from day one, I will give him 10 games. You know, yeah. I was open about that because I feel like that is not just 10 games from the start of the season. That's 10 games because he's got all of the pre-season underway. It might, it, again, we were so late getting it organised and all that. But he's had to get all these players in. But I said 10 games. 10 games in, unfortunately, we lost to Leighton Orient, 3-1. But again, the season went like it has done, injury after injury. And I just don't get... For someone like us with the medical facilities, we can't get players fit or keep them fit. Yeah, man, man, what's going on there? Because that does seem to be really strange. I mean, the amount of injuries we're getting, and I know there's different types of injuries. So, you know, if you're looking at muscular injuries, you're generally looking at overtraining, overplaying, etc. Whereas, obviously, like fractures and stuff like that, it's something different. But what, what's going on there? Do you know, we, we, we had this conversation, I think, after a game in the season, and I can't put my finger on it because I remember actually. Doing, pulling out all the players and looking at all the injuries and then and it was like literally it was a mixture of everything there was there was um, contact injuries there was muscular injuries you know we had we had across the board so nothing you could put your foot on I mean I do know and I've been told that um, that we don't look after our training pitches as well as we should do um, I've been told that basically that it's we, we under-resourced the um, the what a surprise! Sorry? <laughs> What's that? What a surprise! Where's that money going? Exactly. So I've been told. I have been told that actually the training pitches are neglected quite a bit. Uh, who, who knows? Is it is some of the injuries that are starting coming out because we're not training on the right surface? Is Bear in mind, we've got this amazing this amazing uh, facility. You know, Mem saying that is hundred percent. Just want to go off subject a tiny bit, but it's not. Sorry, no, Arsenal. 
best facilities in the world, apparently, and England used to train at Arsenal's facilities. Then Arsenal, how many injuries do they get a season? You know, God knows how many. Now, England train at Spurs, and they say it's the best training facility ever had. And because of the foundation that Arsenal's been built on, apparently, that is what does all the injuries with their knees. And so it's a, it's a more, it's a slightly tougher, too hard, too hard yeah. essentially, yeah. So I reckon maybe where, like you say, you've got, this is a premiership team for crying out loud who struggle, and we're conference. So it's like, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to think out what do you need to do to get it 100% spot on? Because like you say, we've got the best facilities in, you know, up to League One, so everyone keeps going on about. But if you can't get the players fit to perform on the pitch, it don't mean nothing. I mean, and, and, and the point is, looking back at last season, even when we did get players onto the pitch, it, it wasn't looking too good. I mean, you've said 10 games in, we knew then that Mem's prediction of, of finishing top with 123 points was not <laughs> going to come, was not going to come through. Uh, <laughs> Get that on in early. Um, Mem, I mean, you had a slightly... Um, both of us actually didn't get to as many games as we, we, we could have done last year. From afar, were you getting sort of similar problems or did you feel that actually a bit more time, a bit more patience was needed because John still was the right man? Well, the, in- the interesting thing is, obviously I wasn't going to every game, but what happened, what was, it, what was interesting, I think I've, I've, I commented this maybe online around the time, I'd go to one game and then a month later I might go to another game and I'd see exactly the same issues that I saw a month ago uh, under John Steele. Exactly. So we come far then. Yeah, exactly. So in a month's time, we'd literally not developed at all as a team. Um, and I'd look at it going, I've, I've, ma- I've assessed, I've made exactly the same assessment in this game as I did, you know, five six games ago. And it was it was that was the story of the John Steele era. And I looked at it, and actually, we didn't we didn't actually play typical John Steele football. Um, there was we tried to pass it, but the problem is we didn't have the players to play the game. And I think also John Steele was asking us to pass it. I don't think he really under really knew how to play that kind of football. I think he his he's very much a second ball manager, and I think he was trying to get us to play football. And he can't. I don't think he knew how to do that. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty scathing there. I mean, um, we're, we're going to take a brief break. We managed to speak to a couple of people. Uh, Online, uh, they they refuse to be in the same room as Mem and Laumaf at the same time. So they only they Why? only they only I don't know Why? they only agreed. Mem's all right. <laughs> Nothing wrong with him. <laughs> they only agreed to do it over the phone. But um, we're very grateful to them for giving up their time, and we're going to get their thoughts now uh, on how they saw the season starting and panning out. I, I thought we were going to we were going to go up. It had it had everything it should have, which is. For once, we seemed to go out and get someone who knew what they were doing, who'd won it a record amount of times, and knew how to sign gems from non-league. So even the players I hadn't heard of or didn't know anything about, I thought, well, some of John Steele's experience, he's shown he can get the Andre Grays and players like that. Um, I was quite hopeful, to be honest, because obviously John Steele has, I mean, won the league more times than any other manager. We as a team have won it more than any other team. And I just thought, an experienced head, knows the club. Um, I thought the site, like, he made a lot of signings that he trusted. And I thought, well, if he's worked with them at Dagenham, obviously knows them well, they must be good. So I was quite hopeful, actually, for the season. Uh, so I. I thought that we, uh, at the, before the start, I thought we'd have a good chance of a challenging for promotion. But um, uh, I, th- I thought we had a, uh, quite a good squad at the end of last season, uh, even allowing for players that were certainly going to leave like a kinde. I think for me, it was when we lost 2-0 at Harrogate away. I thought in that game, I'd, there were the 
There was no spirit from the team. The, the performance was flat. We didn't really have a, a plan, like not even a plan A, never mind a plan B. And yeah. I thought like, obviously with them being a newly promoted side, uh, I expected us to do a lot better there. And I think that was a moment where I was like, mate, like that was a hard one to defend. Yeah, do you know what? It took me a fair while, actually. I think probably that haven't a Waterlooville game at home where we drew two all. And I, th- I thought they were terrible and we still didn't beat them and we didn't look like we had enough about us to beat them. I was I was talking about, I always go with my dad and I was talking about it with my dad earlier. And I was looking at that Aldershot game, our first game away and I win. And and looking back at it, we, we were never going to win. But we, we played okay. We had Sparks whipping crosses in. We had, we had Alito who looked like he was quite professional and from a player from a higher level. Um, but looking back at it, we were never going to win. I mean, Byron Harrison missed from about a yard out, <laughs> right in front of me. But I thought, I said, oh, that's a shame. If he'd have got that, that'd be him off the mark. Twenty goals. Yeah. So it, it got it got worse, didn't it? <laughs> I just um, I just got the impression as time went on that that Stills' heart wasn't really in it. He wasn't fully committed. To, um, to completing the task in a way that he would have been a, a few years ago, and to me, this is um, uh, to me it seemed like an age an age thing, like he, he was winding down his career. For me, it was the Ebbsfleet away game. It was a horrible day anyway, and I remember just standing in the rain, and it was the worst like game of football I've ever seen in my life from both sides. And I just thought, this is awful. And I thought, at that point, I didn't know whether it was the management, the team, but there was just something that definitely wasn't right and something there was a clear change that needed to happen to for the team to pick up and go and get wins because watching that performance, I didn't see how we could get a win. Well, thanks to those people for uh, giving up their time and giving their views. We're going to jump forward a few months now to Christmas. The reason for that is that's when I managed to get to a game so I can talk about something (laughs) with some sort of knowledge. And the game I took uh, my family, my girlfriends and a bunch of other people to, I said, look, guys, it's a big local derby. It's boring wood away. It's going to be good fun, proper football, proper grounds. 86th minute, 0-0. 87th minute, 1-0 down. And it was a long drive back to Romford in the evening. I mean... We don't have to talk about Boreham Wood, but Christmas time was, was pretty bleak, wasn't it, Nalmuth? Are you asking me how my Christmas was or what I thought the game was? Well, I mean, you can, you can go into your own Christmas if you want to. You don't have to give as much detail as I did. I'm just saying that Boreham Wood was the low point of a Christmas that contained quite a lot of lows on the football pitch. Yeah, it was shit. I can't, I can't sugarcoat it any more than that. It was literally like watching paint dry. I, would, I think I would have honestly enjoyed having my teeth pulled more than going through that again and, you know... That was John Steele's last game in charge, wasn't it? It was painful for me. I, I grew up in Bournemouth. We, we, we watched that together, didn't we? we, we yeah, and I yeah, went yeah. there with my dad. My dad hasn't been in a Barnet game in years. <laughs> it's a family occasion for and all my, of us. And my dad was like, you come and watch this shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, what could I do? I could, there's no answer to that. There was no way of going to my dad. Yeah, I've, 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 I've spent £350 a year on season ticket for this crap. And, um, and it was the most appalling... It was the most appalling game of football ever. And, yeah, I just... Yeah, and, and Boromud's ground is depressing as well. So, in that environment as well, especially in a club I used to play for when I was a kid, 
um, you know, it's, it was even more depressing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was pretty rubbish. No, but it's true though. I mean, now unfortunately we had to class him as the local derby. Now that we ain't got Chavanage anymore, but when can you be honest? When was the last time we turned up for a derby? Honestly, oh, I mean, uh, just just to jump back on some more positive stuff. I remember a couple of those. I mean, it was some people don't say it's a derby, but some of the Stevenage games. Do you remember two thousand and three, two thousand and four, when we had um, Peter Beadle up front and Grazioli? What do you remember, Peter Beadle? And we were 1-0 one one down at half-time away at Stevenage. And then Gratz and Peter Beadle, Peter Beadle did nothing. He just stood on the halfway line. And he, this time he stood in the penalty area and he just stabbed the ball into the net. We won 2-1 away at Stevenage. And that was a brilliant, that was a summer day. It was September. And Martin Allen was in they charge. They were few and far between though. I was there when we got banged, when we had the youth oh, team goal in goal. I mean, we've been, we recorded a pod there last, yeah, didn't we, like, like, two years ago when we were just standing in the car park. And it was, you know, I mean, we, we, we have ran Cadoch in goal there once. That ran Cadoch was in the Oh, that goal, yeah, that yeah, guy. That the, that, that youth goalkeeper, you must have been there for that, mate. The youth goalkeeper. Yeah, the, like, the, the Israel, yeah. No, 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 no. no, no, no. no. We've got, we got a youth team. It was like one of the two <laughs> he played, games he played. He played one game for us. Because I think someone got injured in the warm-up. And they, and this was, I think, when we were getting, almost getting relegated. And we put, like, literally <laughs> a six-year-old in we goal. We this, this, this was about two years ago. Mate, you must you, No, it was, I remember. It was, it was three years ago. We got absolutely, no, remember Grant Basie. Do you remember him? Yeah, he and launched he his keeper. And he was pulled out the side because he wasn't a Thank warrior. Because uh, <laughs> that was what, uh, that's what uh, Thingy said. That was it. No, it was um, Paul Fairclough said he wasn't a warrior. Yeah. Dropped him because Paul Fairclough was caretaking manager, and then he put our youth team goalie in, and but, we got banged up five 0 or something. Like yeah, that. We, we, we lost. We, we lost four. We lost four two because we were four nil. Went four nil down away at Stevenage. But the thing was, this guy in goal. I mean, you know, you got that stereotypical. You know, the Thailand goalkeeper the other night. He let in thirteen for the, the women's goalkeeper. She let in thirteen goals against the USA. I didn't see it, but I've heard about right. it. Yeah, it was like I mean the guy, the guy I think he put on um, I can't remember who was in goal for us back then, but he put on Tom this, something. It was something he, he put on. He put on this goalkeeper's top. <laughs> it was like five times too big for him. So it was like a parachute. It was awful. So when Ashley Young it was made awful. his for Watford, it was awful. It was so. And I remember thinking, fuck, you know, anything on t- any any shots a goal, anything on targets a goal, and we we're three 0 down inside about ten minutes, um, and then scored two really good goals. It was um, when we had that guy on the wing. He went to prison. There's been a few of those, but there was a, the guy on the wing. <laughs> <laughs> we really are a great Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> Andy, Andy Thomas. No, he was only no, beat up his dog. This one was, uh, was Mark Marshall. Mark Marshall, good player. Oh, Mark Marshall, oh, yeah. And course. he scored two cracking goals. But I do remember... Did he score being, in that game? I don't remember. Yeah, he, he scored He scored two really good goals, Mark Marshall. I can't... I, do you know what, Every single... Like, the, the only game I can remember, which um, at Stevenage away, which was decent, uh, was when we drew one all in the league the season we went up. When Gratz scored an equaliser towards the end, and right in front of us, and there was fifteen hundred Barnet fans singing on our way. That was when Dwayne Lee got. Um, no, but we lost. We lost that game two one. No, it was one all. No, we lost that game. The one that when, when they all bundled controversial. When they bundled it in, when he bundled it in, yeah, Gratz, yeah, yeah, we we lost that game two one. We lost because Dwayne Lee got sent off for an elbow in about the fifteenth minute. Ah. I don't know if you remember this. That, that that was the season we went up. Um, and we went one nil down. We went, I think we went one nil down, and then Gratz equalised in the second half where we were down to 10 men and everyone went mental and then there was an elbow from Dwayne Lee well he was already off at that time and then we lost 2-1 but then we came back in front of Sky Cameras and that was when Wesley after that game Graham Wesley said we'll come, on to, come on to Wesley in a minute uh, he said Destiny will always take over and I remember someone made that banner Destiny will always take over and um, he came back to us it was on Sky and he was you know at this point they were sort of you know 10 points behind or whatever and he said you know if we win this and Ish- uh, Ishmael Yakubu powered home a header in the 87th minute to win it 2-1 it's a downward header oh it's brilliant it's on YouTube yeah, it's on YouTube I remember it, yeah, we'll, put it, we'll put it in the show notes 
Man, your memory's fading. Is uh... I'm an old man. I've, do you know I've seen? I've probably seen. I said fifty games a season, so probably. I reckon thousands. Thousands of games. Yeah, I think I've seen about a thousand games. But after that lovely little conversation we've just had, go on. We're going back to how many years though when we last turned up into a. Well, this, 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 <laughs> this, this we've got many asses with it. But you're right. Probably, you're spot, you're spot on. Actually, I've been to a thousand games. I just worked it out in my head. I definitely thousand haven't games. Seen a thousand yeah, I was going to say. Well, it feels like a thousand games. Oh, watching yeah, still. This, yeah, this yeah, okay, so Derby, Derby's what? I mean, yeah, Boreham work because we, we then came back when Curry was in charge. So we had the Boreham good game on the on the Boxing Day. We had a couple of games in between, and then we came back to on New Year's Day, and it was a bit. We drew one one, and that was actually almost. It we was played really well. It was almost. They scored, was last day. They scored a late pen, didn't completely they? Completely different side. Yeah, it was, it, it was. You're right. It was a different. You know, a completely different side. Was it his second game in charge after Dagenham Redbridge? So Dagenham was Dagenham in the game in between. I think Dagenham Redbridge. Yeah, that was Darren Curry's first game. I mean, did we charge. win that? We, we mean? won that. One nil. Yeah, one against Dagenham yeah. Daggers. Yeah. 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 Then I think Borenwood was his second game. Second game. And then yeah. Sheffield United after that. Oh, let's get on to so that. So they weren't a bad little. Uh, run for him was it I mean it's the instant response wasn't it at, at the time though Mem and, and both of you actually I mean you know we're, we're sort of bi- slightly biased because we were just talking about our love of Darren Curry before we, we, we joined we started the show Mem did you think that right Still's gone were you thinking Darren Curry give him a crack or were you thinking actually you know I know Luke Garrett's you know, held up, as a, held up as a deity in, no, in parts of the, the No, I have to say, he, he did love Luke Garrett, didn't he, until he saw him and it was like, nah, he's crap. He's not a good manager. He used to be, I never, I never used to be another, like, it was like Stephen Constantopoulos. No, he's no, this you other know, guy you know who, like, chose in India. You know what? I was, I respected what Luke Garrett had done with Bournemouth in a, with a small club and then, and then that Boxing Day match when we played against them and I watched the football and I thought, ah, uh, nah. <laughs> Even you said they set up in a different way because they've lost a couple of good players. Didn't yeah, they? yeah. So he had to adapt his game. No, yes. So in a way, but they almost went was down. Was he shit, or was he just doing quality? He's a bit of a knob man though, management Luke tactics Garrett. decisions. Yeah, you know, no. There's, look, I mean, the thing about him was that I could see the, the football was pretty anti-football, but you knew that you knew that with uh, Luke Garrett is that um, he lost a lot of good players in the summer. But actually, to be honest, Bournemouth were struggling, and if you saw that statement from. Um, from old um, Mr. Brexit, the chairman. Oh God, he is a, he's on a different planet. You know, uh, what's called what's he, um, football must win. Football yeah, must win. He was, um, yeah, he was, he was, he was, he put another post up. Um, there's certain supporters in our in our group would love their chairman, who constantly putting up his statements and stuff. Um, who are they, man? I told I think about it. God, God. <laughs> we've got a few, we've got a few supporters that love a statement, though, don't they, from the chairman? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, <they're laughs> we'll come on to those later. But um, I yeah. love you, Jack. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah. So things. I was, I was quite happy to let's see how Darren Curry did because at the end of the day, he was at the club already. Let's see him out. Let's see how it goes. And what about you, Labath? I mean, you must, you, you know, we were talking about Curry before. You must have been happy to see him come in or were you thinking at this stage anything other than John Still? I didn't want him as manager. And that pained me. My idol is at my club. The guy that I watched and loved week in, week out. And he's now the manager of my club. Surely I should be jumping over the moon in a way, right? Yeah. But I just knew I've seen this before. And I know where it's going to go. Are you thinking Ian Hendon or are you thinking other clubs? I'm, I'm thinking Rossi. I'm thinking Ian Hendon. It starts off fantastic. Solskjaer is another one perfectly this season. Yeah. The honeymoon was fantastic. And then all of a sudden, you know what I mean? 
And yeah, Curry started off really well. And we're going to go on to some of the games and we're going to talk about how great their moments was. But I didn't want him as a manager because I want someone with experience. I want someone that's been in this league. I know everyone needs a chance, but I just wanted someone that is called Martin Allen and was going to come in and was going to win the league again. And then he was going to leave us for more money and I'll still love him. I mean, silence. Mem and I, we, we, we'll talk about Martin at some point. We'll give him his own section. <laughs> I, can't, I can't go into I've it right got, now. I've got, I've got, I've got my, I've got my, my, my often used um, analogy with Martin Allen. But, yeah. Go on. Well, it's basically, Barnet fans without Martin Allen, it's a bit like girlfriends cheating on you, cheating on you again. And you just go, but I love her. I said that on a vlog. I love her. You've copied me. I love her. No, I've said this a million times on Twitter. It's like, I love her. I love her. I've got, we, can make, we can work this out. We can work this out. And then she'll keep cheating on you. Right. And at some point, you look like a mug. We've, we've reached our quota of talking about Martin Allen because I want to get back onto the football <laughs> okay. and I want to get okay. back onto the glory days. Or the, and I, by the glory days, I mean, there were a few. There were probably three glory days this glory season. Day. No, there are two. I, I would say the Brentwood, the, the Brentford game at home. But let's get on to the, the Sheffield United one away because yeah, okay. that for me was, you know, it was, it was one of the best away days I can remember. And actually, I watched your vlog afterwards. Uh, I think the day or was going into work the next oh, it was day. Oh, you that watched it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Twice. No, uh, did, right? <laughs> Make sure you like and subscribe. That, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far you've got us onto the explicit rating and now onto the Advertising Standards Agency <laughs> for uh, illegal promotion. You uh, said be myself, don't hold back. So yeah. what you see is what you get. Well. We didn't expect a marketing spiel. Uh, no, it's I fine. Am, I am naked right now. <laughs> we'll come on to that later. Get on with balloons. Um, no, what I was, <laughs> what, what was going to say though was, was Sheffield Sheffield United. I mean, yeah. that was that because you said you had doubts before. You said you had doubts before, but for me, that game was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant tactically. I thought we got it spot on. You know, a five-three-two with two pacey strikers. I thought we actually played really, really well, and not like not in the sort. We got a penalty, I and mean, we went away from home. You're thinking, oh, we must. How do we? How do we survive? But we had created the more clear-cut chances. We it dangerous on the break. You know, uh, Sweeney missed that really good chance from the corner, just in front yeah. of it. A bit like that sort of Chelsea game back in '94, man. Kelly Hague. Um, yeah, I mean, you must have thought after that loudmouth that this was this was something special. After the full-time whistle when we've just beaten a championship side going up to the Premiership. And that, that didn't convince you, no? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Look, like you say, I didn't go in with any hopes whatsoever. I thought we was going to get banged. I really did. So I was just enjoying the moment, just enjoying the day. And whatever happens, I'm proud of the lads for getting, you know, where we are. Are you sure you're enjoying the day? Because I remember you were up in the gods. Well, let's not talk about my fear of heights, okay? Because <laughs> literally, I honestly... I, I, mate, I was sliding around on my chair even before we scored and before it went 90 minutes as well, right? I just didn't like that. I'll ne never again, never again sit up there. But anyway, getting back to the game, like you're right, we was, yeah, I, I thought there were times where we kind of sat back, but maybe that was the game plan. I thought, are we doing this as the game plan or are we al allowing them to play? Let you have the ball, come and attack us. We'll break you down and we'll play from there. Or was we not even a little bit vulnerable at times? Yeah, we had chances, and I think, what was it, the last 10, 15, when Billy Sharp come on, that's when panic mode set in from all of us, because they was just throwing the kitchen sink at us, and it was it was meant to be on the night, because we walked away as, as champ, well, not champions, but, you know, winners. Yeah. We felt like champions after that, though. I mean, man, that game was fantastic. I think, for me, the highlight, and a few people we've spoken to, and we'll, we'll, bring, we'll bring them in in just a moment, some people who gave up their time to speak to us said that the Brentford game 
was one of the best games they can remember in supporting Barnet for 20, 25, 30 years. What did you think of that? I mean, that must have been... Brentford game was insane. What, the Brentford game? Yeah. Brentford game was insane. It was just like, I, I lost my voice. I think yeah. my, yeah. my head was about to explode from all the shouting and um, singing. Um, and I genuinely thought I was going to have a heart attack at some points. <laughs> Um, especially, and also uh, the rage I felt for Ollie Watkins. Um, still lives Wanker. with me. Wanker. <laughs> still lives with me, Ollie Watkins. I've, I've, still, I've got a picture of him on my dartboard. I'll never uh, take that down. It's <laughs> 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 up there with Graham Wesley. Uh, I mean, those, those FA Cup games were, were special. They were very, very special. But in the league, I mean, in Loudmouth, you, you know, me and men were just, we were the glory hunters, really. We would turn up for the FA Cup <laughs> games uh, and we would we would take a pass on games like Braintree away. Whereas you oh. went, I mean, that must have been another one. Were you, were you thinking then, right, we, we can pull this off against championship opposition, but we can't pull it out against Braintree? Yeah, again, that's the funny thing about it. Like you say, we've just gone to them and beat them on their own turf. And we're losing to, I think they were bottom of the league at the time. They were, they were bottom of the league. And they were bottom off they beat us, four them. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Mark Cousins, for some reason, does the, you know the um, the Cruyff turn, Sweeney turn, whatever you want to call it. And but this is where, all right. Fair enough. He, he was he was a fucking dickhead for doing that, and he's put us under pressure straight away. But again, this is where I don't want to jump on it. Where I said I didn't want Curry because I think Curry panicked and he went free at the back. All right, they got the penalty and they scored, but there's still that whole game to go ahead, and he went free at the back. No, four, four, one chase let them break you down again that's how I would have set up that's how I'm looking at it as, as someone who coaches myself as a fan you've got all that game to go for and unfortunately we changed formation and we literally capitulated more than I've ever seen yeah no I, I, I agree with you and I agree in that in some respects I think the thing with um, Baron Curry this season the back end of that season is I, 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 I like to think of it as Curry that period of the season is a bit like a young player that comes into the side, they're going to make a few mistakes and they find their feet. It's Curry's first management job. I think the point to now judge Curry, as I'd, I'd anticipate that them last few months have been a big learning curve for him, is I, I like to see now that he puts in some of, the, some of the learnings from the end of last season into the new season. And that's the point where I think I'll judge him now and I'll start to be a bit more critical. Because I think he, he made mistakes and I think he'll always going to make mistakes because when you're new at a job, you make mistakes. But again, the guy's played football for however long, as a high level, professional level, he doesn't need coaching badges to understand that you're down to 10 men, I'm going to go with three at the back after five minutes. He shouldn't need to know that. That should just be instantaneously. It, 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 yeah, the thing is, though, putting, putting something in theory into practice is different. And in his head, he's probably thinking, right, I feel comfortable against Braintree. I can play for it. Well, back. then he was very naive then, weren't well, he? Yeah, he was. But like I said, he was like, what, five games in, ten games into his career? I mean, let, let, let's just touch on this naivety issue for a bit because yeah. um, one of the things that I... And I, I had similar worries to yourself, Loudmouth, in terms of Curry, because, you know, you'd never want to see your idol take on a job and then screw it up and, and we end up losing exactly that image. I had the same with Mark Robson. Yeah, Mark Robson. Henry Newman. <laughs> Henry Newman, my footballing idol. Uh, but... What I would say was, is that I one of the things... something, but I'll hold back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> one, one of the things that was interesting to me was not just the tactical side of it or even the, the physical side of it in terms of setting up the side, but also the sort of emotional and the leadership side of, of running a dressing room full of players um, who perhaps don't always make the right choices. And after that FA Cup run, when we saw these sides 
turning up against Sheffield United, against Brentford, against Bristol Rovers, and then not turning up against Braintree, we had Balloongate. And I know this is something that Loudmouth has been desperate to talk about. And I think actually, you know, all the jokes aside, it's got a grain of quite serious truth in it. Do we feel that how that was handled, how the group of players have been handled, that that Curry's done a decent enough job of sort of managing the, the actual egos in the side? Because that was pretty depressing. Someone like yourself, who travels all the way up and down the country to see Craig Robson uh, and co on balloons before games, during games, uh, you know, on the six-hour box <laughs> at all times. I mean, Th- that must be been quite grim. Well, I had a great time on my vlog when I'd done it. I really enjoyed doing that one. That was just like, Barnett's the gift that just keeps on giving. It gives me my material. I don't need to work hard for it. But again, like you said, I feel like Darren Curry, because he's still quite, he is very young in the game. Uh, so he's, you know, very um, inexperienced manager. I still look at, I look at him like he's one of the lads. You know, let's all go out for a laugh, have a chin wag. Oh, you turn up a little bit late for training. Don't worry about it, mate. We'll just crack on sort of thing. And that's how I look at it. I'm not going to bring him back into the case, but the, ma- the manager I'm talking about that you know, you've got to be a stone-cold bastard. I'm not your friend. You're getting paid to do a job right now. Yeah, it's good that you should enjoy your football and we should have fun. But at the end of the day, my job's on the line if you don't perform. I get the sack, not you. That's how I look at it. And a certain manager wouldn't take no shit. And proof's in the pudding, he's won us a league. You know what I mean? End of. Somehow we've managed to come back to Alan again, which is is busted by quota. So so I've I've got a different different outlook on this whole... um, I've got a different outlook on how that happened. It was, to me, it was quite clear that the balloon gate definitely took the wheels off. And, um, they and took the piss, that's what they no, did. No, they took the piss, and, but post after that, I think something, I think there'd been some disciplinary stuff gone on behind the scenes, because I noticed the team just went to shit um, for a period. And it was only the, only towards the end of the season they start to stabilise again. So withdrawal symptoms, perhaps, from Robson. He's uh, withdrawal symptoms. You take away his supply, and then all of a sudden his exactly. performance levels dip. But Robson got dropped in the set. If you notice, Robson got Robson lost his place in the side and didn't get didn't didn't hardly play the, to the end of the season. And I, I think uh, personally, my my take on it is I think that there was some serious disciplinary stuff done behind the scenes, and I think actually that was a big part of why. We went on. So we struggled for a period. Oh no! They got told off and then stropped about it. How dare they? Well, you've got to remember how many players were actually involved in that. If you look at how many players were involved in Balloongate, and they were all embarrassed about it, and I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Robson was slightly ostracised for a period by his own teammates because he totally dropped him in it. He dropped all his teammates. I mean, and what was the most concerning bit? And we've had this conversation in a, in a previous piece pod is the fact that our captain was bang in the middle of it all. And I, you know, wasn't exactly leading by example. And he was, well, he was leading, but he wasn't lead, <laughs> it was leading in a different way. He was way. leading to the bar, yeah. Yeah. And it, to me, that didn't look good at all. I mean, it's one of those things, I think, as well, that, that characterised something that's been growing under the surface, which is a growing sense of frustration between players and fans that was sort of been brooding there for a while. And actually, looking back over, you know, I always say it jokingly, but it's, it's true. Since we started doing the podcast, we've been on a steady decline. Um, like... You know, we haven't actually put together a decent run of results apart from the end of this season since you know January 2017. You know, the, the sort of you know the Orient games in in uh, around that time when we beat Leighton Orient away 3-1 and things look really on the up. Ever since then, it's been a slow decline. We've seen people coming less and less to games. I mean, do you think 
loudmouth, you've got your finger on the pulse more than we do. In terms of not just the performances and the results, how did the fans that you go to every single game with feel about the fact that these players were taking the piss? Well, no one's happy. I'm, I can't obviously obviously talk for everyone. I know what you're saying regarding it. No one was happy that we was having a piss taken out of us. You know, we're giving up our time, we're giving up our money, and yes, I know that's what you do supporting your team. You know, you, you're supporting through thicker thin. You go home and away when you can, all that lot and all that crap. But we was looking at it like, and there's been games where Halifax away, they just didn't turn up. They just looked like they couldn't be bothered. You know, and it's just I can understand if one person has a bad game. Two people have a bad game. They're off their game. They're off their day. But a whole eleven, a starting eleven, I find that hard to believe. That how can a whole team just all of a sudden play like dickheads? It wouldn't surprise me if around that time, um, Curry had read in the right act and told him he's going to get them all out. Because I think at that time he had pretty much come out in the press and said that everybody's playing for their future. And I think at that point he realised that what the kind of characters he had in his team. He had, a, he had a team of players who'd rather party and were would step up for the big games and they weren't interested in stepping up for the Halifaxes away. Because they're a bunch of frauds. Yeah. That's what it comes down to. That's, that's what it's the party life. Look at me, Instagram. Look at me, I played at Sheffield United and I won here. Look at me, we've played against Brentford, blah, blah, blah. Oh, hang on, we just lost against Braintree at bottom of the league. Never mind, don't worry about it. I'm going to go take a balloon. <laughs> it's called taking the piss. Yeah. No, I, I'm I sick see. and tired of it. But it's, also, it's also, I think, as well, it's not taking your career... Um, your career seriously enough I mean let's, uh, let's, let's be fair Callum Reynolds has come into our club as the captain he's played all his career at National League he's, he's, he's had a showcase to get on telly and been on telly for the FA Cup um, and, um, and he's had an opportunity to put himself in the shop window to get a step up but he's more interested in partying and he is about, about playing his game we know he got uh, what's called, I'd heard on the grapevine that he had uh, he injured himself self-inflicted so that's why he didn't play in the Brentford game the phantom injury you mean yeah the phantom injury where he didn't turn up and everybody kept quiet about it but there were, you know, obviously things that rumours are getting out of that he, it was he injured himself and um, and so you know you think to yourself why why, why are these players why are these players um, you know still playing at conference who've been playing it for two three years and why have league clubs not come to get them league clubs they clearly clubs are their, their homework and they find out if these guys are not taking their career seriously and unfortunately, we've ended up in a situation where a whole bunch of them were in our squad. I mean, that is all, all well and and there were some really disappointing moments in that side. But as we could move forward towards the close of the season, one of the more positive things was the incredible run of clean sheets, which was, I think, almost you know breaking club records. Aaron Pullen was digging through the archives, you know, down at Underhill, under, you know, going back through the excavated ruins, trying to find the last time he managed to keep four clean sheets in a row, let alone eight. Look at the Ark Academy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah, 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 digging through reception. Um, did, did you see there, Loudmouth, the, the sort of bones of a side that could perhaps begin to push up the league a little bit more? Christ, all I do is sound miserable and depressed and angry all the time because every time I start something, it's like, no, we were this and that. But I don't mean to be, but... I wear my heart on my sleeve and I call it our seer. And in them eight games yeah. where we conceded one goal, we were lucky at times not to lose them games. Honestly, that's why I've had to say that because I'm going to go, oh, this geezer's just changed shit. He's doing it because he he's trying to rile them up. I promise you now, Ian, I go there all the time and I yeah. call it our seer, yeah? I, I, I say we're good when we're good. I say we're shit when we're shit. And, and we can talk about them games where there were times and we could get onto players. Cousins saved us in some of them games. 
Yeah. Honestly, he was putting out saves that I've never seen before in my life. And I'm like, why haven't you been doing this all season? But we, there, were game, there were times where we were very lucky not to concede, not to lose. But then sometimes you get the rubber of the green and it goes, it goes with you than it does against you. And that was our little time to shine. So you, you, you don't think run. then that that was, you could say, well, actually, we have got... Because this is a, a comment I made to a few people who will bring in just a moment in terms of their thoughts on the end of the season. But you didn't look at that and go, actually, hang on a second. We've got some players here that can, that can be the, so, the backbone of a solid defensive side. You were thinking, actually we've got a little bit lucky here is that, is that was that your main takeaway i think it was a, it wasn't no it was a bit of both don't get me wrong you have you get luck in football and it's how you take it with with it you you either you know you take it with you and you succeed or you just crumble yes we got lucky and it went our way there were times where like we we just went on and played some really nice football the passing was great set up and scoring some goals it was nice we could build on that like, without going into it yeah we, we got lucky at parts but there were foundations there that I saw that can be built into something good to me there was two there was two there was two players that made a big difference in that run one of them was Andre Bucard oh. and the other one was uh, Harry Taylor and, uh, and, and I know Harry Taylor has been is, is a much kind of people are unsure about him but I felt in that period I like Harry Taylor I, feel, I thought in that period the two of them dovetailed really well and for the for first time in the season we actually had a, a, pe- a partnership playing in midfield that actually w- worked as a pair and I think that really helped the back four I think that was a big part of why the back four was uh, had their pressure because we were actually keeping the ball in keeping the ball in midfield and I think Bukhar was a big part of that I mean Labath your views on Bukhar are not well known but they are to everyone within a 10 metre radius of us what, what, <laughs> what, what, what did you think of that assessment? White Mem said we needed some of the experience and he was that right guy. It, that, that five minutes he come on and then got injured was just an embarrassment. That five minutes he come on and got injured and was just an embarrassment and we didn't see him for a couple of months. I like the fact that he's got that leadership skills and he talks, but we've said it. He'll scream at you for the ball and he's two yards from you. He pass, you pass to him and then he's passed someone two yards from him. Why, are you, why not just go from, say, Harry Taylor to Craig Robson, why is that middleman involved? He could be up further up the pitch. I think I think there's some truth to that. I mean, we were talking about this before. Like, on the one hand, we need to you need to sort of keep the ball. You need to keep position moving to move around the opposition, and also to try and pull them out. So you know, often in the conference, and you see this a lot, particularly with those smaller sides, some of those part-time sides, they'll sit two banks of four, have a you know a big target man to occupy the two centre backs, and the pacey one to win the second ball. And what you need to do sometimes is to move the ball in the midfield to try and pull out the blocks so that there's space in the lines. But clearly. We are lacking, I feel, and I know, Mem, you might disagree with me on this, the technical quality in key areas to make that work. So it does, it, it looks pointless, right? You, you know, you can spend 30 seconds moving the ball from one half of the pitch to the other, the block hasn't moved, and that, that key forward pass is the essential to this isn't there. Mem, you might have a different view on this. No, my view, my view actually is that there's not a huge amount of targets to hit from midfield. So the big, one of the big problems we had this season, in my opinion, Ephraim Mason Clark from about Christmas onwards was motoring. But if you saw Ephraim Mason Clark likes the ball to feet and then he likes to carry it from feet. Don't really have a player that, and we had the problem, same problem with Shaq. Shaq likes to come to feet. Didn't really have a player that likes to spin off and go in behind. Byron Harrison? Byron? Well, he's not really a spin-off kind of player, is he really? Come on. Byron Harrison's not a player. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Is that his statue? In, um, in, in, but the point is, is that we don't have a player that 
Well, I think what we need, what we need to add to this side is we need some pace, and I think the left side is where I think the, we need to find a player who can play off the left, who is going to spin in behind, and he's going to find find ways to come in. I actually think, and we've had this conversation, me and me and um, me and Matt before, is I actually think that you potentially could mould something like Jack Barham into that player. And if you play a 4-2-3-1 that asks Jack Barham to start off the left but make his runs in behind, in behind the, the behind the centre-back, from the, the flank, it'd be very difficult for him to be picked up. And actually, it might might make up for the fact that he's not the most physical and he's not a guy who's going to hold the ball up, but you can get him from outside. I disagree with you there. This guy gets stuck in, Jack Barham. He gets stuck in, but he's He not reminds like, me a lot of Liam Hatch. He's about two foot tall. <laughs> no, the way not on about height size. I want about the way he plays. Liam Hatch got stuck in, and that's why we loved him because he was a yeah. lunatic. Jack Barham's the same. If you watch him, he doesn't hold back. He gets stuck in, and that's what we love about him. Well, I do anyway. Sponsored him, didn't I? <laughs> there you go. There you go, Jack. You got sponsored for next year again. No, I'm, I'm sponsoring Craig Robson. Okay. He's well, blocked me on Twitter, but that will soon change. Do you, what do you reckon the rules are if you, if you sponsor? I mean, do you reckon they turn down sponsorship? I mean, surely TK wouldn't turn down. TK won't turn money down. <laughs> won't turn money <laughs> well, let's let's park our conversations around the season for a moment and come on in just after our little break to looking at TK in a bit more detail and the state of the club. Um, but before we do, before we pause on this section of the pod, in a scale of one to ten, with ten being the best season of all time, one being the worst... No negative numbers, loud mouth. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what 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 would you give this rating out of uh, out of ten this season? Let's start with men first of all. Two. And, that, and that's only two because of the cut run. So God, it wasn't the minuses before that then. Lamath. See now, if he's gone two, well, I can't go negative. Oh, God, just, go negative. No, no, I just. You can I'll be honest me. with you. You can no, copy me if you want. No, I'll be honest with you. There was times without going too long. I'll say a four. A four. I'll say a four. Whoa, whoa. Now, who would have thought that, who would have thought that you've been more optimistic than me? But the only problem is is because I've seen more games than you this season. That's <laughs> yeah. the only thing that I've the amount of games that you uh, you've yeah. been to see, man. So I would go with a four, <laughs> and that I think is being very generous. Well I'm gonna I mean, uh, that was very generous. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna split you with a three. Um, but after a quick break, we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk a little bit about the club and the state of the play off the pitch. Plenty to discuss at the end of part one then of our end of season review. Thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world to us. I mean, really look forward to coming back soon with part two and part three in the next few days. Enjoy. Enjoy.